This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Every new year, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you want to actually eat breakfast too. Therapy can also help you build on what's working by helping you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. I know firsthand how helpful it can be to learn positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. Therapy isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress that you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Curiosities today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Curiosities. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. The idea of a human-animal hybrid is nothing new. Anyone who has any familiarity with mythology the world over will have heard of minotaurs, centaurs, fauns, satyrs, and all kinds of fun combinations that stimulate the imagination. But most people, by now at least, know to categorize these creatures in the fiction category of their mental library, not in the non-fiction section. But there are apparently some exceptions to that rule. There's at least one particular human-animal hybrid that is so well-documented that no one knows heads or tails what to make of it, other than to accept it. It started in the Netherlands in 1621. According to the legend, a Dutch heiress by the surname of Jacobs encountered a mother and her perfectly normal children begging on the streets. Having nothing but bitterness in her own cold heart, the heiress told the woman to be gone and take her pig children with her. The beggar woman, on hearing this, said that if her children were pigs, then may the heiress's children be pigs as well. In the storybooks, we would call this the inciting incident, the start of the action. It's a classic hex, only partially hidden, and surely you can bet what happened next. True to the curse, Jacob went on to deliver just a few short weeks later, and you guessed it, this child had the body of a human and the head of a pig. She was believed to speak in grunts, and eat from a trough, thus the first sighting of the pig-faced woman, but not the last. The British weren't too far behind. They began to spread the story of a Dutch woman by the name of Tannikin Skinker, who was also a pig-faced woman, whose mother had put her in the exact same predicament as Jacob's, cruel to a beggar woman and cursed to have piggish children. Numerous onlookers heard the curse and drew the parallels between the two and assumed that this was all the same family. Skinker's story grew from there, beyond what Jacobs did. Her parents, desperate to continue the family line, offered a comfy dowry of 40,000 pounds, but there were no suitors. She did, after all, have the head of a pig. Ironically, not even a pig farmer would marry her, and her family solicited quite a few. Varieties of the story recount that this unusual woman resided in London's Holborn district, 
She was recorded as being tall and, I quote, well-proportioned, while keeping her less-than-ordinary face hidden behind a hood and a black velvety mask. And the records retained their consistency, as this woman supposedly talked in grunts like the others. This story spread so far and so wide that by the 1730s it became accepted as fact. Everyday folks from town to city to countryside recounted stories of the deformed woman of varying names, but of the exact same pig face. And it should be mentioned that this pig-faced woman is not to be confused with one Griselda Stevens, who had an actual physical deformity that left her face in a state resembling that of a hog. No, this was actually explainable. And believe it or not, her own problems of being misconstrued as a pig-faced woman were thanks in part to the well-circulated stories of her Dutch predecessors. The actual hybrid of cursed origins, if you will. Through Griselda, though, the legend continued on into the 19th century through the noble pig-woman of Manchester Square. Of course, it was only hearsay, the word of a passerby seeing a snout or hearing an oink. Nothing concrete. Yet one more rumor no doubt perpetuated by the original tale. Yet this rumor swept across England in 1814 and 1815, with newspapers writing her existence as fact, not the fiction that she undoubtedly had to be. The newspaper, like most media outlets, was less than kind, writing that she would have to be wooed by grunts if anyone wished to take her hand in marriage. I can't help but hope that whoever wrote the article was the next to be hexed. There is a moral to the story, though. When you see someone less fortunate than you, try not to be so cruel. Otherwise, you run the risk of your kids being, well, pig-headed. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. World War II was a long and deadly conflict. 16 million U.S. troops fought alongside millions more from across the globe, with over 400,000 Americans dying for their country. Those who were stationed overseas, far from their families and friends, longed for the comforts of home, the warmth of their own beds, hugs from children left behind, and even something as simple as seeing a movie in a big theater. Which is why the United Service Organization was formed, otherwise known as the USO. Between 1941 and 1947, popular celebrities of the time, people like Bob Hope, Judy Garland, and Humphrey Bogart, put on shows for the troops to bring a little bit of home to the front lines. But the USO wasn't the only game in town when it came to entertaining the Allies. England had its own organization called ENSA, the Entertainment's National Service Association. ENSA brought the likes of Laurence Olivier and Peter Sellers to the British Armed Forces, the same way that the USO brought Bing Crosby to the Yanks. And among ENSA's top performers was a man named George Formby. Now, Formby was born in Lancashire, England in 1904 to a father who was no stranger to entertaining. He was widely known in music halls as a singer and a comedian, but didn't want his son to take up the family business. Sadly, George Sr. died in 1921 of a bronchial infection, leaving a void in his son's life, as well as a void on the stage. Despite never having seen his father perform with his own eyes, George Jr. was inspired to take up the act himself, after an imposter started performing under the name The New George Formby. And so George Jr. learned how to imitate his father from listening to his records, while his mother taught him all the original jokes. George also added some of his own material, like playing the ukulele, which helped establish him as more than just a carbon copy of his late father. With help from his wife and fellow performer, Beryl Ingham, Formby worked his way up to packed audiences, record deals, and even film roles. He signed a seven-year contract with English film studio Associated Talking Pictures, run by a producer named Basil Dean. Dean had passed on Formby early on, but eventually saw something in him mainly that audiences seemed to enjoy him. So it wasn't a surprise that when Dean left ATP to head up ENSA, he brought Formby along for the ride. George was paid £10 a week and flew out to France in March of 1940 to perform for the British Army's Expeditionary Force. He took his duties to the troops seriously, too, both at home and abroad. When he wasn't singing and dancing for the soldiers in Europe, he was touring factories and concert halls back home to raise money on their behalf. He also continued to make movies and took a six-film deal with Columbia Pictures in America. But he was never afraid to do anything for a laugh, even in the middle of a war zone. He would sit on top of a Sherman tank, surrounded by soldiers, as he sang them a funny tune. He'd also stand in fields riddled with bombed-out craters as he strummed his ukulele. In fact, after the Allies landed at Normandy, Formby traveled there to entertain them. 
On one occasion, he was unable to give the men a proper concert, as the Germans were too close for it to be done safely. Instead, he crawled into the trenches with them and told them jokes to keep their spirits up. And then he set out to see the 6th Airborne Division, who had been holding their position near several key bridges for 56 days. Formby put on nine shows for them in a single day, and he did it standing in front of a sandbag wall as the troops hid in the safety of their foxholes. It didn't matter how dangerous it was. Formby's duty was to keep morale high and provide some much-needed relief to the war-weary soldiers. And he continued to make movies and work on behalf of ENSA until the end of the war. George Formby died in 1961, having performed in front of no fewer than three million servicemen during the war. He never killed anyone, nor did he storm the beaches at Normandy, but he was a hero nonetheless. James Brown is often credited as the hardest working man in show business, but George Formby easily gave him a run for his money, and he literally did it from the trenches of a war zone. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.